Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Hi, this is Kim from the Wingate in Missoula. If you need a break from the everyday same old, same old, we want to be your home away from home. With comfortable rooms, a great breakfast, and a super fun indoor water park, the Wingate of Missoula is the ideal place for a quick getaway without having to go away. Let us give your family a little quality time together or ask us about our birthday parties. Work like an adult, play like a child, and sleep like a baby at the Wingate of Missoula. Hey, welcome back. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. Statewide SWX Montana Television. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, Riley Corcoran's with me. He's the voice of the Grizz. I'm Coulter Nuanez. I had a good conversation with Randy Ray, head coach for the Weaver State Wildcats, as they wake their way up to Missoula to play the Grizzlies this weekend. Also had some Super Bowl thoughts, and of course, it's a Tuesday, so we had our Treasure State Stars as well. If you want to find our podcast, it's easy. You can either find it on all of your various podcasting platforms, or you can go to 1029ESPN.com. The podcast is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. I'm going to give you a a blitz on podcasts this week. We still have seven episodes of our Grizz Greats to release. That's what happens when you release one uh, per week over a 25-part series. Um, we're into the 2021 now, so the 25th anniversary is actually now behind us. And so we're going to get that thing finished up and just get them all out there. So by the end of the week, should have at least half of the remaining ones out there. Maybe all of them. Just depends on how late I stay and how hard I work. But I got a podcast with Johansi Manzanares, which is actually one of our best episodes. They've all been great. I can't really rank them. But if you know anything about Johansi Manzanares, he was a phenomenal player for the Grizz, a defensive end, former All-American wrestler, at a Great Falls High, and he was kind of the heart and soul of that team. You always need that guy who's like the spiritual leader, the guy that's going to get everybody going, the guy that, you know, the most inspirational guy. That was Johansi Manzanares, and he was definitely uh, one of the toughest guys on that team and a huge tone setter for the University of Montana when they won that na- na- 1995 Division I AA 
National Championship. So look for that one later on this week. We still have episodes with Ron Locker, who's the communications director with the Big Sky Conference at the time. Also, Brent Pease, the current uh, associate head coach for the University of Montana. I actually think this is the first interview that's been done with Coach Pease uh, since he's been back to Montana because yeah. he's basically said, hey, I'm here to coach. I'm not really looking for the spotlight, but he did have some great memories. And then we have a bunch of other great figures as well. Kelly Stenzer, who's a great running back on that team. Corey Falls, another great defensive end. So stay tuned for that. GrizzGreats.com. You can find uh, all those remaining episodes in that epic 25-part podcast series. Let's talk some Bobcat football. Let's do it. Every, let's start with the, the most broad question. My phone's been blowing up since the news broke yesterday. 25 hours ago. That right. Brent, yeah, but Brent Vegan uh, is the head coach for the Montana State Bobcats. This is actually funny. My brother and I, and our, you know, we have a family plan. We share it through uh, Skyline Sports. And my brother just texted me this because he thought it was funny. He said, might have been a coaching search this month. I just looked at our phone bill. You sent 3,155 messages and talked on your phone for 1,263 oh minutes. <laughs> no way. I was like, wow, that's um, that's astounding. That's pretty funny uh, that, that those are the statistics. Of course, my brother sent 300 texts in the whole month, and they were probably all of them to me. So uh, hilarious that that's what it takes. But I thank God we have the cell phones in this moment in time. But since the hire was made yesterday, Brent Vegan, officially the head coach for Montana State, everybody's asked me, what do you think of the hire? And I think it's interesting because the the search itself probably in this um, instant gratification society probably took a lot longer than people wanted it to. I do think there was some ins and outs of the search process. They were a little bit muddy. We went over that yesterday as far as the whys to why that is. It was a unique opening because you're taking over a successful team and there's a lot of guys on staff that you at least want to have an inside track to maybe get retained. And you also have a really talented roster. But all that said, despite who was maybe offered the job before vegan or any of that stuff, if you would have told me when Jeff Choate first left that you could hire a guy that was at North Dakota State for 20 years, that coached in the FC, that helped usher North Dakota State from Division II to Division I, who was a part of the foundation laying of the first three-peat under Craig Bull, who has coached every position on offense and has a uh, physical run game-like uh, identity to the offense he likes to run, who also has developed four, count them, four drafted NFL quarterbacks, I would tell you, well, that would be the dream hire for Montana State because that's what their roster is built like right now. They're a ground-and-pound team. The biggest missing piece has been talked about exhaustively around the, around the state of Montana, and that is the lack of the quarterback. So if you're telling me you can bring a guy in that wants to run the football first and foremost, that understands a winning culture, that understands the FCS level, that is not going to be thrown off by living in a rural town in the middle of Montana, who also then has coached in the FBS and has coached guys like Josh Allen and Carson Wentz, I'd say, well, money in the bank. That's the guy you want. It seemed to me, and this was the initial reaction, and then after a day of doing this, not that you're trying to dig up dirt, but you're just trying to to see both sides of it, right? Okay, what well, what are the biggest pros? What are the biggest cons from hiring Brent Vegan? I, he checks every box. Like, seriously, I get that they went out and tried to dance with Lubick a little bit, right? Sure. Okay. Matt Lubick. But yep. I, call me crazy. Ken Wilson, sure he's a great coach. I'm sure, sure he's great, but sure. 
Brent Vegan has a way better resume for Montana State than Ken Wilson. I mean, and whoever else has been in the mix, maybe Lubick's the only one that passes the resume test like Vegan does. Because I think the familiarity with the FCS level yep. is the biggest piece in all of this. For sure. He knows how to win at this level. The biggest piece that I don't know if he has grasped yet, or I mean, of course he hasn't yet, but how quick will it take? is grasping Montana and yeah, understanding right. how to win here and in the rivalry aspect, right? I mean, that always, we're here in Missoula, but it lives every day. We, we know that. And will that get entrenched in their culture right away too? And how long will it take Coach Vegan to maybe adjust to that? But besides that, there are there's nothing that I can find that's even a question mark of why to hire this guy. I mean, it seemed like there had been multiple chances for him to get lured away yep. from Wyoming. Yep. And he turned a lot of them down. And yep. he chose to go out on a limb here. So I, if you're a Bobcat fan today, you have to be more than pleased with this. At the end of the day, okay, it took seven more days than we maybe thought it was going to. That's just us in the world of, like you said, instant gratification. Sure. Come on, why is it taking so long? Why is it taking so long? And everything was public pretty much about where they went through one, two, and three. But at the end of the day, this is a great hire for, for Montana State. And I'm just curious how he how he gets entrenched into Montana. That's my only question. And I think there's a lot of scuttle going around right now too because, and I'm not trying to, to brag for us or anything like that, but we reported this whole thing very thoroughly and so then because of that, you have a lot of information out there at your fingertips to then use in your analysis to criticize if you're part of the fan base or you're a Grizz fan that's rooting against the Bobcats. And everything. There's none of those, are yeah, there? Yeah, I mean, gosh. <laughs> the difference between the threads on the two message boards are just astounding. But we, we digress heavily. Uh, but the, the thing to remember is that hardly ever – I mean, like the last time Montana State hired a coach where they just got a guy – they got their number one target – it was the quarterback club flying Mike Kramer out to Bozeman in the middle of the night, and he having a press conference pretty much the next day saying, I'm leaving Eastern Washington, I'm coming to Montana State. That was 20 years ago. People forget that it was down to the absolute wire when Bobby Houck was going to be hired the first time at Montana. I mean, Joe Glenn had left, and Brian Kelly was the front runner. Brian Kelly was coming from where? Grand Valley State? Yep, exactly. And Brian Kelly, of course, now of Notre Dame, but... I just I remember talking to to um, Jim O'Day, who was not yet the athletic director, about this. But you know, he was saying that we we didn't want to go really with this thirty seven year old guy. But then he just kept coming. He kept coming. We're like, well, this guy's the best guy. Why we have to hire this guy? We can't let him get away. And then it ends up hiring Bobby Houck. I mean, Rob Ash was hired. Dale Lennon and Jerry Kill were the favorites for that job. Rob Ash ends up getting the job. So this is not uncommon. And. I mean, even the last Bobcat fans need to remember Andy Hill, who was the assistant head coach at Missouri, was signed still delivered as the next Bobcat coach until something happened. And I don't know, I, I, I kind of know what, but I don't think it's anything we can say on the record. But regardless, the committee shifted, the leadership of the university shifted, Jeff Chote is hired. So a lot of times it's not smooth. A lot of times it is a second or third choice, but that doesn't mean it's not, it's not the right choice. Also, you got to remember. There's a lot of times, too, where there's there's some floating information. If you're a coach at a, a big-time school like Oregon or Nebraska, and you can use this opening for leverage, and that leverage comes with you removing yourself from the search, a lot of times the narrative then says you were offered this job and you declined it, but that's not necessarily the case. A lot of times it's just a mutual 
neither side wants it. It's like when Travis DeCure was in the mix at Colorado State. It was just a mutual parting of ways. Like, hey, I'm interested. Hey, I'm not interested. Okay, we're removing ourselves from the search, and that's just what it is. So a lot of times there's a lot more detail to all of this than just a guy saying, hey, no th- thanks, but no thanks. And, and you brought up a great point with using it as leverage. And unfortunately here, this is, this is the brutal truth to – loving FCS football and following it from a week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year basis is the gap is so huge from a financial standpoint to what a position coach can be offered to. This is is one of the top five to ten head coaching jobs in the country, in the FCS. And it seemed like at times, man... Money was probably the biggest factor, I would say, for a lot of these guys. I mean, cost of living, we can get into all of that with Bozeman, and that's up, obviously. But just in general, I mean, Brent Vegan's taking a six-figure pay cut on paper to come take this job. And the fact that they use leverage at it, you know that that happened. I think, and I this is total speculation, but like someone like a Ken Wilson, do you really think that Bruce Feldman, national sports writer, cares what's going on at Montana State? With all due respect, probably not. He has exactly to get right. tipped off from someone. Yep. Like, hey, put this guy's name yep. out there. And it, when Bruce Feldman's tweet, of course, yep. it's got the instant you you know, and it, it worked to perfection for Ken Wilson. So I give him a lot of credit, and I'm sure it happened with just more than Ken Wilson. But you're right. I mean, it, a lot of these people or coaching candidates use it as leverage, and the people that you really want. They really want the job. I think they stand out. And for Montana State, they should be thrilled that Brent Vegan clearly wanted the job. That uh, he's the guy. I mean, uh, an FBS coordinator, there's not many in general, I think, that would move from FBS coordinator, no matter what school you're at, down to an FCS head coach. And so for Brent Vegan, again, can't say it enough, but for Montana State, they should be really pleased with how this turned out. That the the Feldman angle is so interesting because Bruce Feldman is as connected to Power Five assistants as any reporter in the country. It's why he has such a great following. You know, he's he's been at uh, Fox Sports as well as the Athletic most recently, but he's also worked at CBS Sports, ESPN, the magazine. He's one of my idols. He's got a direct line to Matt Lubick. I mean, he wrote Meat Market about Ed Orgeron's staff. Matt Lubick was one of the main characters. So, of course, Matt Lubick is going to have his boy, Bruce Feldman, spin this thing to make Matt Lubick look the best. And that's the devil you dance with when you're on these committees and you start bringing these high-level guys. And that's why this this search, I think, got a lot of traction on social media because Bruce Feldman tweeted about Matt Lubick, Ken Wilson, and Tim Drevno. What do those guys all have in common? Well, they've all been in the Big Ten or the, or the Pac-12. Or both. So then Brett Vegan's sitting in Laramie and he's not getting a lot of traction. But in reality, it seems as if he was actually one of the guys all along. And then they ended up getting the guy uh, that I think at the end of the day is the best fit for what they got. It is Nuanas now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide SWX Montana Television. I also think that there's a certain element where. Jeff Choate addressed a lot of the weaknesses of the Montana State football program. He was very vocal and adamant about fixing a lot of those, particularly when it comes to the exterior things, the training table, the training room, the weight room, all that stuff. That helped them raise a bunch of money to build this new facility. That's all good. But also there was a a certain element of 
Nothing at Montana State was good enough for Jeff Cho. It was never going to be good enough for Jeff Cho. I think he really appreciated the support, the fan base, the passion for football. And how can you not? I mean, that had to surprise him a little bit. For sure. How overwhelmingly great it was. Well, that's the thing about Montana, man. You can say that there's not a lot of people here, but most of the people in Montana care about sports. That's what's crazy about it. That's why we love broadcasting all you guys all the time because. Most people care about sports because it's a part of our communities. It's a part of our small towns. It gives us something to talk about. And when you have a kid from a small town that comes up to play for the Cats or the Grizz, now all of a sudden, I mean, this kid's one of the most famous people from his little town. And it it unites all of us, and it's what makes it so great. But I think that there is a distinct transition, you know, moving from Seattle to Bozeman, whereas, I mean— Brent Megan's from Buxton, North Dakota. That's population 300. Like, this guy's not going to be thrown off when he goes to Plentywood for the first time. He's, in fact, probably going to be right at home. It'll be, you know how many people will be coming over for their spring tour to cross the border to Plentywood, Miles City? This will be a huge get-together. Yeah, no question. And, and then the other factor here, I think, too, is that there's certain um, logistical elements of being a head coach at the FCS level that I think that there's a stark learning curve, too, that I don't think Brent Vegan is going to have to go through. Bobby Houck has been so good at just the roster management portion of this, making sure he has 100 guys on his roster that he really wants to be a part of the organization. Cho readily admitted it. He said it on the record for a couple years. He said, it took me three years to understand the equivalency in the FCS. How do I get 63? How do I take my 63 scholarships, have 85 guys in the program that are on scholarship, and have 104 guys on my active roster? How do I make sure that the whole thing is quote unquote budgeted correctly? Brett Vegan's not going to have a problem with that. He, he can make one call to Craig Bull and say, you know, how do we do this? But I'm sure he already even knows how to do it. So that's not going to be a transition for him either. I think that you watch the Wyoming Kansas State pipelines. I think those are going to come in. How much do you think him? not having any head coaching experience. Does it play a factor into any of this at all? Because I guess when we go through the grand scope of it, all the names that you reported, not many head coaches that were in the mix, obviously, for the reasons that we've said as far as just the money and everything in between. How much do you think that plays a factor in that he does? He, I mean, great resume, but he's never been a head coach. Yeah, and it's a really interesting factor because I do think being a head coach is distinctly different. And again... You harken back to this is these are this is a rural state, but that doesn't mean you're not in a, under an enormous spotlight. And so, what you have to do from a media perspective, like that's an adjustment. You have you're going to have to adjust to it. And even though he was at NDSU, he wasn't Craig Bull in that situation. So he wasn't having to do weekly coaches shows, weekly interviews all over the place, you know, taking the time to promote the program. He was the one that got to coach Paul. Exactly. And so I do think it will be a transition. And, and I think that's an unanswerable question. You never know how a guy's going to adjust until they do. We've seen guys that have never been head coaches be great coaches right out the gate like Bobby Houck. We've seen guys like Jeff Choate really struggle until they didn't anymore. And so the, there's two different sides here. Um I mean, I think that that was probably the Bobcat fans will not like to hear this, but that was the biggest strength of Rob Ash when he got the Bobcat job. Is Rob Ash had been a head coach for almost thirty years. He had it down. He had a there system was no, delegated. Yeah, every day. He, there was no struggle in terms of the roster, how to construct a roster, how to run a program. He knew how to delegate all that stuff. So, I do think it'll be a learning curve, but I do think he has good guys to, to lean upon and, and and to have mentor him. Well, here here's the biggest question because we can do this on February 9th. 25 hours into him being the head coach is we've talked about all the great reasons why Montana State 
was a good situation to come into. It's not like you're rebuilding. You are taking over a really good roster and a team that just went to the semifinal. So I'm already going to ask you, Coulter, what are the immediate expectations? Is there going to be a, okay, well, we'll give them a two, three years? Because I would say the answer to that is no as far as Bobcat fans right now, they think that, hey, the Cadillac's there. The car the car was running here, and you're going to slide in the seat in a way. It's not like you're rebuilding much. So what are the immediate expectations right away? Well, I think that the answer to this question is the same no matter who the head coach is. It's that Montana State needs to be a contender for the Big Sky Conference Championship. That's what it needs to be each and every year. It's the same thing for Montana. Those two schools need to be at the front of the pack in the Big Sky Conference, point blank, period. They just they have better support, better resources. I understand there's a lot of, of uh, inconsistencies in the playing field because they don't get the state subsidization that a lot of their opponents in the league get. But that said, when you have the facilities that Montana and Montana State have, you have the support that they have, you have the tradition that they have, I think that you have to be a, a playoff baseline, but even more than that, you have to be in the hunt for, if not expecting to win, Big Sky Conference Championships. I think that's exactly what it has to be. Big Sky Conference Championships and that game in the third week of November. That's right. What's the over-under on the first question he gets? How, how many minutes into his press conference before someone asks him about the rivalry? Game? I know, right? And <laughs> he's He's been inundated in a pretty good rivalry in the last seven years between Wyoming and Colorado State. You know, maybe doesn't get the national battle for the boot. Yeah, I mean, maybe doesn't get the national hype, but it, it, it's definitely a fearsome rivalry, particularly in that neck of the woods. I mean, those two campuses are are closer than Bozeman and Missoula. Do you know? There's a cool, uh, just a big segue on this. There's a cool tradition where the national guard of each school they will run the boot to the border because it's a border war, right? right? Right. And so if it's Wyoming, I mean, they will run to the border and pass off the boot. One of the coolest things, Nick Halsey's. Colorado, Colorado State, allow me, show me sure, videos he gets sure. all geeked out for. But you're right, he has been a part of a rivalry. And obviously, NDSU and South Dakota State, sure. he was a part of that as well. So, I mean, I'm sure there's things that he can draw from that. I think that the Cacker's rivalry comes with so much pressure, too, though, because it has such a huge impact on recruiting in-state. And Montana, Montana State put such a high priority on recruiting in-state kids. But it also has an impact on the university's complexion as a whole as well. I mean, you can't tell me that six out of ten wins for the Bobcats in football the last couple of years hasn't had at least a little influence on the, the swing and momentum in terms of enrollment. And the other direction exactly. here at Montana. Exactly. I mean, it does have an influence for sure um, in every element of it. There's one more question I have for okay. you on this. Okay. One more. Because it just keeps popping in my mind. Because initially when Jeff Choate left, there was one name. There was one name, and it was yep. Kane Yep. And so for me now... Would Kane even consider going back? I mean, that that's way down the road. It's more of now. Do you think Montana State, if you could put some truth serum into uh, Leon Costello's coffee in the morning, do they regret going through all this? Could it, it would have been easier just to hire Kane Ione right away? Bobcat fans, what do you think, at least right now? Would you have rather it been Kane now that you know who the replacement is? Because unfortunately, at least right now, that's those comparisons are valid. They absolutely are. I think that... One of the, the um, one of the side effects of this entire circumstance is that Kane Ione had to take the job that was that, that he already had secured. Had to. So, should Montana State have pushed back and made a better effort to make him the front runner and make him the guy to be the next head coach? Kane comes with some question marks because he's never been a head coach. He certainly, no question, understands the rivalry, the state. Uh, 
the big sky. I mean, he's coached in the league for 17 years, and he's one of the greatest players that ever played in the league, too. So he has some intrinsic advantages that you're literally never going to replicate. I mean, there's very few guys that have ever even been a part of either of the programs in the state of Montana that have as much blood in it as Kane Ione does. So those things, you're absolutely not going to be able to replicate that. You're absolutely taking a step back if you don't hire Kane because he's just been it. He's lived it. He's been Mr. Bobcat for 20 years. You also now have Kane Ione with a little bit more of a broad coaching tree because he's now reconnected with Pete Kukowski. He was an analyst for him at UW for a couple of years. Now he's into the Boise State coaching tree. And so what sort of resources does that provide? But I think that here's, – here's my take. I think that Brett Vegan right now has a chance to win now and win down the road both. I think that it, it remains to be seen the way he wants to structure the program, what he wants the quote-unquote culture to be. But I do think that he has the opportunity to come in and help Montana State run the ball with authority, keep the basic identity of the team in the short term, but also then start to build for the long term or maybe fix the quarterback position and all that stuff. I know for a fact that the Bobcats would have been really dang good next year if Ken Iano was the head coach because he would have kept it probably about the exact same. This would have been the big question marks for Kane. How would he acclimate to becoming a head coach? What sort of staff would he have hired? I think he probably would have retained quite a few of the assistants. But more than importantly, what is his offensive connection? Because that's the thing that's been completely and utterly lacking at Montana State. Jeff Choate lost 16 assistants during his time at MSU. He replaced them very well in pretty much every circumstance except for the rotating door at offensive coordinator and quarterback. Nobody ever got to have any traction there. What would Kane Ione's staff would have been like oh, and how would he replace those guys? But they haven't had like that true... I was thinking about this the other night. Montana State's had nine offensive coordinators in the last 12 seasons. That's an amazing number, especially for a team that's been good on offense. I don't know how... <laughs> that is even possible for a successful team, right? Someone that, you know, a team that might be under 500, sure, we're going to try something right. different every year. That was not the case. I mean, they had they had two losing seasons over the last, uh, during that time span. So 10 out of the last 12, they had winning seasons. They've been to the playoffs uh, six of those 12 seasons. So, and they won three big side titles. It, it's amazing. And even the, one of the losing seasons, though, the offense wasn't the problem. They led the country in offense. <laughs> they just had defensive deficiencies there. So I, I just feel like that's going to be the, the key to any person that takes this job, can I own Brent Vegan or otherwise, is finding that offensive consistency. But that, that's, I mean, it goes back to the, the point that I've been making all along since Jeff Choate left. I've proclaimed my admiration for Coach Choate many times on this show. Uh, I think he's a, a transcendent speaker. I think he's a brilliant man. I think he's as good at selling his vision as anybody that I've been around. But he was also so good at selling his vision that he made an entire fan base forget about everything that ever happened before him. That's what I keep telling all the Bobcat people that are reaching out to me. Choate recruited well. Did he recruit players that were better than Jody Owens and Zach Minter or uh, John Taylor and, and Kane Ione? I don't know. You know, and uh, he never recruited anybody that's better than Daenerys McGee or Dakota Prukoff with the guy that touches the ball every play. So I just think that people got to realize, here's the thing. Montana State, ever since they reinvested in football and have really been trying to sum up the Big State Conference mountaintop, let's say the last 20 years, they've been pretty dang good the whole time. Who's the guy that's going to take them to the very next level? We'll see. But I, I just think that they've had multiple coaches throughout that iteration, and they've always been competitive. They've always brought in good talent. So I just think that unless this is a total disaster, I think you just have to have a train wreck for this to not go at least semi-well. And not saying that Jeff Choate was a spin doctor, but yeah, he did do a really good job of having the perception that, man, this program needed to kind of be rebuilt from the ground up. I, 
it, it was never to that point, at least in my eyes. And I think you would agree. Well, with I mean, that. they needed they needed an attitude adjustment, but talent. But the talent was the talent's always going to be there because. You're always going to be able to out-recruit everybody in the big sky if you're Montana or Montana State because all you got to do is bring the kids to campus. Who wants to play at a red field if you can play at Bobcat Stadium? Or go or, to Pocatello I mean, and go to Holt I mean, I, you know, I'm not trying to – I love everybody in the big sky conference. I'm not trying to dog, but it's like if you bring a kid to Missoula for a playoff game or you bring a kid to Bobcat Stadium for a playoff game or a Cat Grizz game, that kid's choosing your school. And I think this brings up another good point, too, which will be fun to watch, especially now because vegans got to hit the ground running. Recruiting battles, right? We talk all the time, you know, with Montana and Montana State, it seems to me that they compete with maybe some big sky schools and lower tier Mountain West schools and maybe even some lower tier Pac-12 schools for the right situation. That's who primarily Montana and Montana State are competing with on the recruiting trail. But now... Does Vegan make this more of a Midwest? Are you going to see Montana State go after the Midwest offensive lineman that North Dakota State just had the easy pickings for years? Like, that to me is an intriguing part of this. Is he going to reshape kind of the recruiting landscape? Because that could open up big-time doors. Because doesn't it feel like despite Montana, Montana State going up against NDSU, Northern Iowa, South Dakota State, they're never really in recruiting battles. Right? If, right? if it's a Midwest kid, they're either going to Minnesota or North Dakota State. Right. And if it's someone thinking about Montana, Montana State, it's maybe Nevada or UNLV or just another lower tier Mount Colorado State. That's who they compete with. So it'll be interesting just to see the, the recruiting, the geography of it, of uh, where he wants to go. We're only just getting started with this analysis. I think there's going to be some media availability uh, sometime pretty soon here with Brent Vegan. And uh, I'm efforting hard to have him on this show as well. As always, we are out of time for this specific conversation. We're going to get back around to some Big Sky Conference power rankings, but we got to get out now because we have a young man coming on with us next, Jonathan Bragg. He's from Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas, and he recently committed to the University of Montana men's basketball team. Jonathan Bragg on Nuanez Now, right after this. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Spread the word around. Get food back in town. Welcome back. Nuana is now. The one-stop shop for all things sports around the state of Montana each and every single weekday right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. We're going to get to Johnny Braggs here in a minute. He's a six foot three combo guard from Las Vegas, Nevada. Plays at Bishop Gorman. Going through it right now, he's working out a lot, and he's playing some uh, club basketball. But um, Nevada has gone in and out of having high school sports going on. But Bishop Gorman's a private school, but they play public schools because they play a largely national slate. So Bishop Gorman's just kind of stuck. They're just kind of sitting here waiting for uh, the opportunity to play, if and when they can ever play again. So you have to feel bad for a kid that has some rising stock in the recruiting game. 
who just hasn't been able to really get his name out there. Well, especially, I mean, you're talking Bishop Gorman. For people that aren't familiar, I mean, national powerhouse. For sure. You have seven or eight guys probably go D1. For sure. On, on their roster. So these games that they play are showcase games. I for mean, sure. they're, they're going out of state. I mean, it's right. hard to fathom in high school basketball. They're going out of state to play a game that will air on ESPNU. On a Friday night. For sure. Okay. Wow. I mean, when they play at the Thomas Mack Center, which is UNLV's arena, and you watch those games, there's more, as many or more people there at Bishop Gorman games than there is at UNLV games. I mean, this is big time high school basketball. Not to overblow it, they would absolutely beat some Division One teams. Oh, for sure. Without a question. Oh, for sure. I mean, mean, the best couple guys at Bishop Bishop Gorman and Finley Prep, both of the two prep schools in Las Vegas. I mean, the the best guys at those schools are are on at least the inside track to go to the NBA. They're not just oh, yeah. going Division One. The the connection here, which is interesting, Dave Rice, former UNLV coach, he's now Washington's associate head coach. Yep, yep. His brother is the head coach of Bishop Gorman. Interesting. And that was the connection with Johnny Braggs. And Johnny Braggs, you were touching in on it. I've been able to do some research on him physically. He does. Not, he is not going to look like a freshman, sure. and I think that is it. Maybe his biggest attribute right away that he can come in here and compete. He's a he's a wing that can defend, and we all know if you're looking at Montana basketball, where are the holes at? You're Bobby Moorhead's. You, you miss yep, a Bobby yep, Moorhead, yep. right? And and Johnny Braggs could come in right away. So I'm glad you caught up with him. He's a fascinating kid. Johnny Braggs, a senior at Bishop Gorman High School and the uh, newest commit to the University of Montana men's basketball team. Well, we go now to the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. We welcome in. Hopefully soon to be a friend of the show, but a brand new guest, Jonathan Braggs. He's a senior at Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas, and he's the newest commit to the University of Montana men's basketball team. Johnny, thanks so much for being with us. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Taking it day by day. This news broke a little over a week ago. You committed to the University of Montana via Twitter, as it seems to happen these days. You know, kind of the announcements always come on social media first. So tell us about what that moment was like for you. First of all, what kind of went into your decision? When did Montana first land on your radar, and what did you like about the Grizz enough to, to commit? Um, Just everything, how they, uh, how they pursued me, you know, how they wanted to, how they constantly contacted me, trying to get me to go there, getting me on the phone with, teammates uh showing me the campus just the whole nine yards are trying to get me to come to their school you know just the uh just the fact that they wanted me was great so that's why i chose montana when they're selling you just on the things that are great about the university of montana program and there's a lot of them great tradition a great fan base but what sort of things caught your eye i mean what sort of things did the coaches tell you that you really really liked um, just that Montana was a college basketball uh, community. You know, they take college basketball very seriously. And, you know, that's everything in Montana. So uh, that's one thing that's that made me choose Montana. Um, and I would just say just uh, how they did things over there, how they do things, just how, uh, the college is just the whole, just the whole center of attention. I just like that. It's certainly a great college town, great college basketball environment. When it, when it comes to the coaches, who was which coach was your primary recruiter? Uh, coach Cobb. So Chris Cobb, the associate head coach for the University of Montana, he's done a great job on the recruiting trail, bringing in a ton of different guys to the table. Uh, but what sort of things did you like about Coach Cobb specifically, and what sort of things did he tell you just about his coaching style and Travis DeCure's coaching style as well? Um, they just said that. Uh, the coaching style was just mainly solely on defense. And 
I'm a good defensive player. I take pride in defense. Uh, and they said if I can just come in there, play my defensive role, be who they want me to be, it should be a great fit for me. Jonathan Bragg's joining us. He's a senior at Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas and the re- most recent University of Montana basketball commit. Talk to us about where you're coming from, Jonathan. I mean, Bishop Gorman, a powerhouse high school, playing in a really high level of competition there. And uh, it's been a high school that's produced a ton of really great players over the years. What sort of things have you learned, though, uh, during high school that has gotten you ready for the Division One level? Um, just that don't take anything for granted. Um, just go out there, you know, play your game, work hard. Uh, it's a great competition. Uh, just stand ready, stand in the gym, and just keep working hard. That's all I gotta say. When you think about making the transition from living in basically the desert to then living in Montana, what was that decision like? And uh, I mean, are, do you have any nerves on your way coming up north? Um, no nerves. I'm uh, I'm originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, so I'm used to the cold. I moved out here. Uh, in Las Vegas in sixth grade. So, yeah, I'm used to the cold. No nervous, no, no nerves about coming to Montana. You know, the cold is, well, I'm used to it. Well, that's a good thing because it definitely got pretty darn cold here the last uh, couple of weeks. It was a mild winter, and then all of a sudden it wasn't anymore. But yeah. if you're from Milwaukee, you're definitely used to it. Jonathan Bragg's joining us. He's a six foot three shooting guard out of Bishop Gorman High School. He's coming to the University of Montana to play for Travis DeCure's program. What other offers did you have on the table uh, w- w- throughout this recruiting process, Jonathan? Um, to be honest, Montana was the only uh, was the only offer that I have. I had other interests from like Duquesne, Regis, uh, Oregon State, um, who was Pepperdine. Uh, that's all I can think of right now. But there's probably like one or two more. But Montana was my first offer, and I committed right away. I loved everything they said. Interesting times for everybody right now. I know I feel so bad for you guys that are you know, in the prime of your lives and, and trying to play sports in some sort of normal way, but nothing right now is really that normal. But that said, I mean, what sort of things have you been doing to you know, keep your skills sharp and, and keep your game on point, uh, even if you know you maybe can't go to the gym as much as you want to or you can't practice and play nearly as much as you would in a normal year? Um, well, for me, I work out – well, we have a gym out here in uh, – in Vegas where we go to and work out every day called Meadows YMCA. I usually work out probably one or two times a day there every day. And then at home, I do my strengthening. I lift. And I just, uh, what else do I do? I um, And then I go to my other uh, strengthening coach probably like on the weekends just to get some lifting in to get stronger. The experience of playing in front of not a lot of people, I mean, I know that both at the high school level and on the club level, you've played in front of some big crowds. So is that something that you're mm-hmm. missing right now? Yeah, missing it a lot. Just that energy that the crowd gives, the heckling, all that stuff, I miss it. Just the energy of the whole the whole gym. It's crazy. I it, miss that. It's, cer- it's certainly crazy. Yeah. 
we we can't wait to have it back for sure. But w- when you're going through a recruiting process during a time like this, w- was it difficult to try to you know maybe identify what it is you want in a school or or to kind of know about a program when you can't really come on a visit and you you know you have no idea you can't watch a game and see what the atmosphere is like or anything like that or how how would you go about kind of getting the details that you wanted when it, it is such a weird year? Um, yeah, it was yeah it was hard. I just took whatever. Coach Kyle, whatever Coach DeCure was telling me, you know, I just went with it. I just trusted them that that was that that was the um, that that was the right things that they were going to say to get me to go to that school. So just the uh, trusting the process was the whole big thing about it. It's an interesting timing of the commitment, too, because the early signing period's passed, so you'll probably sign here in the spring, but a lot of basketball left to be played both at the high school ranks and, and maybe at the club ranks as well. So, so what makes you confident that your commitment to Montana's firm? Because it seems like there's an opportunity here for you to actually get a lot more interest here out of these next couple months. Yeah, yeah. Um, my commitment to Montana is 100%. 100%. Uh if any other schools will look at me, you know, is I'll kind of like shy them off, you know, because I'm committed to Montana. That's where my commitment is, and that's where I want to go. Well, it's a great place to be committed to, and I know in the city of Missoula, we're excited to, to welcome you to town. Have you gotten a chance to, to watch any of the Grizz games these last couple of weeks, or do you have any idea, do you have any connections to anybody on the team? Are you familiar with the guys that you might be playing with here pretty soon? Yeah. Um. I spoke to a lot of uh, a couple of players. Um, Mac, uh, DJ, um, Kyle Owens. I talked to a lot of players on the team. You know, I just like their vibe. I like their energy. You know, seem like good guys, and I can't wait to go and play with them. No question about it. What does your family think? I mean, this is always a huge decision and uh, exciting moment for you to be sure, but probably really exciting moment um, for your folks or anybody else that's involved in your life. So, what's the reaction been from from your family and friends? They just been excited, very proud of me. You know, because I worked hard to get here. Um, I put in a lot of work, and just that this and just that all the hard work paid off. They're very excited, very proud of me, and they can't wait to till I get there. That's an incredible waiting process. Well, we hope that you, the game stays sharp, and uh, we can't wait to get you up to Missoula, Montana. Uh, but last question for you then, th- does this uh, provide a little sense of relief for you, just kind of knowing where you're going, where your future might hold? Yeah, big relief, big relief. Before, I didn't uh, I didn't have any offers. I didn't know what was going to happen. So just that this happened is just great. I'm just so grateful that uh, – that this is just all the working of God, you know. And I pray every day for something like something like this to happen. And for it to happen is just great. Well, Johnny, from Missoula and from ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, everybody in Montana, we wish you the best and uh, congratulations on your commitment. We'll look forward to meeting you. But in the meantime, best of luck with your senior year and navigating what's been a strange time. But congratulations again. It's huge to earn a Division I scholarship with the way everything's been going. So congratulations to you and your family, and thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Big Sky Power Rankings right here on Nuanez Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide, SWX Montana Television, right after this. Hi, this is Kim from the Wingate in Missoula. If you need a break from the everyday same old, same old, 
We want to be your home away from home. With comfortable rooms, a great breakfast, and a super fun indoor water park, the Wingate of Missoula is the ideal place for a quick getaway without having to go away. Let us give your family a little quality time together or ask us about our birthday parties. Work like an adult, play like a child, and sleep like a baby at the Wingate of Missoula. Cruising home on a Tuesday evening. On Nuanez Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Statewide, SWX Montana Television. We always do this. We plan this big show, and then we get to almost all of it, and then we have to push stuff back. And this keeps the content flowing. That's why Corcoran's my number one partner in crime here. Riley Corcoran in studio with me, Coulter Nuanez. Missed anything in the first two hours of the show. Great show for you today. We talked... Super Bowl, we talked Brent Vegan to Montana State. We interviewed Randy Ray, Weber State head coach. We had our Treasure State stars highlighting some of the best of the best from around um, the state of Montana in high school hoops. And also shared an interview with Johnny Braggs. He's the newest commitment to the University of Montana men's basketball team. So well, I know we have a lot less time for this than we really want, and I think we're going to have to probably dive back into this. But I think we're going to have a little bit more clarity in these after this weekend as well. We want to give you a little quick hitter on where we think the Big Sky Conference is at in terms of power rankings. So rather than go through all of these, I'm going to give you my top five and some of the surprises I got here. So I have Weber State as my number one, Southern Utah number two. Stop after four, by the way. Okay, I'll go Weber State, Southern Utah, Eastern Washington, Montana State. Those are my top four. And to me, I don't have much. I, I wanted to try and be different. But sure. To me, it's Weber. I put Eastern ahead of Southern Utah because mm-hmm. I just I think they're going to figure it out. Southern right. Utah, the target on their back late, it might be different. But then MSU four. So we talked about it yesterday. There's some separation for the first time. Clarity in the standings. Those are your top four teams. I don't think there anyone can argue that right now. That's why I wanted you to stop. Now it's the race for number five, and that's yep. why it's so maddening where Montana's at because yep. it's there for the taking, and they just can't do it. So regardless, now go to who your fifth. In last buy, the uh, the way that I usually do these power rankings at SkylineSportsMT.com too, I play heavily into most recent performances, and so while I think that when this all plays out, this is not what I'm predicting is going to be at the end of the year, but right now with uh, with about eight conference games left for everybody, this is kind of where I'm at. I got Northern Colorado at five. I know they're sitting in eighth place. Sac State at six. Idaho State at seven. Northern Arizona at eight. Portland State nine. Montana ten. Hold on, can you repeat that? Portland State at 9, Montana 10. Montana at 10 and out of 11. Idaho at 11. The reason I have Montana at 10, because Montana lost to Northern Arizona. Montana lost to Portland State. Montana lost to Sacramento State. Montana lost to Northern Colorado. So I got them right there. Here's the thing. I think that I actually think that the biggest underachieving team in the league right now is Northern Colorado. From a roster perspective, I actually think Northern Colorado has more talent. I think Northern Colorado should be in that fifth or sixth spot. Because I just think that Bodie Hume is one of the better players in the league. I think that Dalen Coons should be one of the better players in the league. I'm not really sure why he's not. And I think they have a good system and good role players to surround those guys. And the reason I got Sac State at six is because I think that they have one of the only guys that can take over a game in Ethan Esposito. He's a really good player. And Northern Arizona, same thing. I think that Cam Shelton can take over a game from time to time. I did, Montana, until they find somebody that they can go to for a bucket in a game, here's the thing. You can spin it all the ways you want. Montana has been in games. They have come down the wire. Uh, like Coach Ray said earlier in the, in the show, 
They are going to guard you. They're going to compete, and they have talent. That doesn't solve the problem that you don't have a guy that can get you a bucket when you got to get a bucket. If they find that guy, they vault into the top half of the league to me, but they don't have that guy right now. they got to find it. They could move to number five. You mentioned all the teams they've lost to. They, they just split with all those teams, too. So I think five through ten... Literally, you could pick any of these six teams and you can make an argument for it. I want Sacramento State at five because watching them in person, they've added a different element this year. They're not just banging down low. They've got Fitzpatrick that can hit threes. They play a little bit quicker. I like their senior-laden group. They're on a big COVID layoff right now. If they can jump back into it, I think they're a contender at five. I put the Grizzlies at six because I still think that, I mean... It's where they should be. I agree. And I think if they go on a run and win a game, maybe they're not supposed to this ne- these next two weekends against Weber Eastern. Could that kickstart them? Because the fact of the matter is this. It's still the same team that competed against Arizona, that beat Washington. I don't care how bad Washington is. You know it's there. This team has played to the level of their competition all year. So, okay, now you have four games going in where you are the underdog. It's kind of like the Washington or Arizona field. You're not supposed to win. So sure. do they play above? Do they finally play team basketball? Pass it around because I think Randy Ray said one thing. We could go. We could talk about their offensive numbers ad nauseum because they're impressive. They're top ten in the country and everything. It's the assists. They pass the ball well. They yeah. and Coach Ray said yeah. it. They have guys that are bought into sacrificing individual for team success. Montana's not there, and that's the biggest difference. I think Montana could still. I think they maybe played themselves out of a bye, but they could still. I've got them at six. Portland State at seven. I think that they're they're interesting this year. No one, you're still not going to want to play them in Boise because they're, sure. they're weird. So I, Idaho State at eight. I dropped Northern Colorado at nine. So you have Montana down at the bottom. Mm-hmm. I actually put Northern Colorado down there because they right now are in a mess as far as COVID's concerned. Steve sure. Smiley, their head right. coach, hope he's doing okay, but they have shut down their program. I'm just not sure if they can restart. You went as far of a what have you done for me lately. Yeah. I kind of went more of what are, what's the standings going to look like first week of March. And that's it's interesting. That's why we do this thing to differ. Then in NAU 10, then the final question, of course, as we wrap up the show today, the burning question in everyone's mind, is Idaho going to win a game? Man. They are over. And here the, here's the remaining schedule. Two at Idaho State. Split series against Portland State. Then they host the Cats. And they play the Grizz. They're not going to win. Not going to win a game. Poor Randalls. Oh, poor not gonna, I just don't know how they're going to, man. I mean, If they win a game, it's going to be this weekend against Idaho State. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I just think that they're never going to They're never gonna get past. Well, maybe not. Never is too long of a, a time frame. They're building a new, frame. new arena. It's going mean, to restart it, 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 the program. Never is too long of a time frame, but firing Don Verla was not a good move. No. I, I don't. Uh, you can say self-reported and simulated violations. It was not a good move. Idaho, you can't say they had it fully rolling, but... They were they were better than the, the situation that they're in right now. Irrelevant. I'll, I'll tell you that. Nuanas. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now. If you visit msubookstore.org, free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.